Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, as we look at how to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. If you need a copy of God's Word, just get the attention of one of our ushers. They'll be happy to get a copy into your hands. Now, Deuteronomy, it's in the Old Testament, found towards the front of your Bible, uh, situated as the fifth and final book of the Pentateuch. Pentateuch simply meaning the first five books of the Bible that were a part of the law written by Moses, mostly. And Deuteronomy was, was written towards the end of Moses' life and toward the end of Israel's 40-year 40, 40 wandering in the desert. And before we jump in this morning, I want to say, even though it's Mother's Day, this isn't a message just for mothers. Dads, this is for you too. Parents, this is for all of us. It's for everyone. And if you would like to know how to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. And this is a really important passage of scripture because if we ignore it, the effects can be detrimental. I mean, uh, look at the statistics. Uh, David Kinneman with Barna Research recently found that only 10% of 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in the church actually qualify as resilient disciples, meaning disciples that are uh, committed, faithful, and engaged young Christians who keep showing up. Man, that statistic is staggering. It's, it's difficult to hear. And we can see the effects. We can see the, the pull. We can see the attraction that an ungodly world can have on our young adults. In fact, it's a 90% pull. But this statistic is even more difficult when it hits home. When it's your own child who becomes one of the 90%. So parents, I want to encourage you this morning. With the Lord's help and some work on our part, maybe we can move this needle just a little bit in our efforts to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. So let's open up Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. Let's start with verse 4. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command to you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Okay, let's go back to verse four. Let's start right there. Moses said, verse four, hey Israel, listen up. Our God is the only God, and you need to love him with your whole heart. Love him with, with all that's in you, with all you've got. And the thing that I love about 
how this passage starts out is it begins with your own relationship with the Lord. In this passage, the Lord didn't just jump straight into some parenting tips. No, he made it personal right from the very beginning. He said to personally love the Lord with complete devotion. And that's the first point this morning. Love the Lord with complete devotion. Or how's it written in verse five? Look with me. Verse five says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. First of all, love the Lord with all your heart. In other words, love the Lord intensely. Intensely. Don't just treat God as someone who you know is there, but rarely act like he's there. Love God intensely. Secondly, love the Lord with all your soul. In other words, love him sincerely. Sincerely, don't just give lip service to God or, or, or this Christianity thing. Like if someone asks you if you're a Christian, you say, yes, sure. But you live and act differently. It tells a different story. No, love God sincerely. And thirdly, love God with all your might. In other words, love him with your strength, with your energy, with all your faculties. Don't simply think that having a relational equity on, with Christ on Sunday is enough. Love God every day with all your energy. And there in verse five, after the Lord reminds Israel through Moses that they are to love the Lord with complete devotion, he takes it one step farther just to drive home the point. Look at verse six. Verse six, he says, and these words that I command you today, that is the words Moses spoke to Israel on God's behalf, these words shall be on your heart. In other words, these words, they need to be a part of you. They need to be words that you first know yourself. You need to work at it and be intentional with having a personal, growing, thriving relationship with the Lord before you can expect to influence anyone else, especially your own kids. I mean, if your kids never see that you care about the things of the Lord yourself, why do you think they will? The majority of the time, they won't. The majority of the time, they will emulate your own habits. So what are your personal habits? Are they lip service to the Lord? Are they, I'll go to church as, as long as nothing else comes up? And oh, oh, I hope something comes up. Are they, are they, I'll pray before dinner as long as I'm at home and, uh, and definitely not in public. Are they, 
I'll get home on Sunday and set my Bible down on my desk or my coffee table and, and hope that it's sitting there once uh, I get ready to leave for church the next week. And hopefully someone hasn't picked it up and moved it by then because, oh, we're running late and really all I want to do is go to brunch and, oh, brunch. <laughs> Looky there, something else has come up. I can't go to church today. Or do you love the Lord with complete devotion. And if you need some help with that, let me recommend to you four ways to put your devotion to God into practice. Four ways to show God you are devoted. First of all, worship in church. We do this to glorify God and express our praise. Put yourself in a place where you're sitting under the expository preaching of God's word every single week. Expository preaches where, where the passages of scripture are explained, illustrated, and applied to your life. Worship in church. Secondly, grow in groups. Grow in groups. We do this to mature in Christ and connect with others. Talk about your faith frequently in, in small group, uh, men's or women's Bible study, in a freedom group, in, in kids or youth ministry. Grow in groups together. Thirdly, serve in ministry. Serve in ministry. We do this to grow in grace and build up the church. Serve in ministry. And since this is a, a parenting message, let me just uh, tell you, we need you to serve in our family ministries. Corumdale kids and, and youth, they need you. And this will also help prepare you to teach others, especially your own children. I mean, if you have a child in one of those ministries, then serve in that ministry. Man, it will benefit you so much as well as your own child. You don't have to serve exactly in the same small group or wherever your, your child or student is, but get in that ministry. Aaron, Eric, Robbie, they are experts in discipleship at those respective age groups. Get in there and serve with them. And as I just said, man, they need you. They need you. They, they need you right now. So let me just take a quick second and share with you some of the greatest needs, our top needs in our family ministries right now. First of all, children's on the weekend and Coramdeo kids. We need leaders like right now for the kids that are one two, and three years old. We need you. We also need leaders in second and fourth grade classrooms. We need you. Like our children's ministry is growing exponentially right now. And we praise the Lord for that. But that also means we need you to serve in ministry. Serve there with Coramdale kids. Or secondly, uh, with junior high men, Oh man, this one is for you. We need leaders like right now for our, our guys in junior high. For sixth, seventh, 
and eighth grade. That's all of junior high ministries. Men, we need you. Would you serve in ministry? Would you commit to serving there? High school, we need leaders for the upcoming freshman class. Like, we need you. Guys and girls, for their small groups, we need you. It is the perfect place to step in and build into the next generation. There are, there are obviously, there's other places you can serve as well, but these are the highest needs right now in our family ministries. So after the service today, Robbie, Eric, Aaron, Jonathan, and I don't know, there's gonna be a whole team out there from family ministries uh, at a table. Go stop by, see where you can plug in. And if you're waiting for like, you, you haven't served in ministry because you're waiting for that, uh, you know, that glorious light to shine down right on the perfect place, like this is me, that's, uh, and, and, and it's right there. This is your time. This is that light shining right now. I'm telling you, there is a need and you need to get in there. So let's bring those two needs together and let's fulfill it. Serve in ministry. And then fourthly, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. We do this to find the strength and joy in all we do. One way to do this is simply read your Bible. Like get on a reading plan and read every day. And get on our own church's reading plan. Let's read together. You can go to our website, download our reading plan. Right now we're in 1 Samuel, but listen, we're in the middle of it. Jump in right now. Don't wait until we start the next book, till 1 Samuel's over. No, chances are if you wait, you probably won't get in. So jump in right now, middle of the book, 1 Samuel, and get started right now. Another way that you can abide in Christ, is having scripture put into your life, is listening to it. People traveling in the morning when you're by yourself or not by yourself, whatever, listen to scripture while playing in the car. Put in your earbuds or your AirPods or your Raycons or whatever thing you have. Uh, put those in in the morning while you're getting ready in the bathroom and, and, and listen to scripture as you're getting ready. Staying in the word daily will help you abide in Christ. Worship in church, grow in groups, serve in ministry, abide in Christ. We call these four things our discipleship practices. They are the ways we encourage intentional discipleship so that you can actively grow in your walk with the Lord. They're foundational to following Christ as a part of the body of Christ. And check this out. They will help you love the Lord with complete devotion. If you want to raise godly kids in an ungodly world, love the Lord with complete devotion. And once you have committed yourself to personal growth, then, then you can teach your kids. And that's the second point this morning. Seize every opportunity to teach your kids. Seize every opportunity to teach your kids. Take a look with me at verse 7. Verse 7 reads, You shall teach them diligently to your children. All right, stop right there. 
Did the Lord just say that I, me, as the parent, need to teach my kids, not, not my children's leader or, or my youth leader, but, but me? I mean, wait, 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 wait. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, I can't even get my daughter to get her room clean and my son to get off his phone. And you expect me to teach my kids about the things of the Lord? Side note, that example is no way refers to my own kids at all. But listen, there's two answers to that question. First of all, Yes, I do expect you to teach your kids because the Lord expects it as we just read in verse seven. He expects you to diligently talk with them about him as a part of everyday life. He expects you to be their parent and it gets messy, just like my daughter's room or just like not my daughter's room. Actually, she's been doing a great job lately in keeping it clean. Strong work. I love it. But then I also hear things from other parents like, I can't teach my own kids because I'm not the best parent out there. I'm not a parent like, like those characters we read about in the Bible. I mean, I struggle with parenting. Guess what? Join the club. None of us are the perfect parents. We always struggle with parenting. And all those great parents of the Bible, mm. Maybe they didn't quite have everything together, right? I mean, think about it. Noah, after the flood subsided, he had a little drinking problem that didn't turn out so well. Uh, Abraham, he said his wife was his sister when talking to another man about her. Rebecca, she schemed with her son to deceive her husband, Isaac. Jacob's sons, I mean, this is a great family. They sold their brother into slavery. David, he had an affair and started a rebellion. Eli, the priest, he lost total control of how his boys acted in church. Please don't look at me. Please don't make eye contact. And then you can't forget about the golden standard of parenting, Mary and Joseph. Don't forget about that time they left their son Jesus at church for three days. I mean, like maybe a call to child services is in order. I mean, if any of these families were in our church, we would probably say to them, if you'd like to talk with someone, we have a room right across the hall. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But here's the point. God doesn't call you to be a super parent. He just calls you to be a parent. And in verse seven, he provides the how-to of parenting, the how-to of raising godly kids in an ungodly world. Take a look at verse seven. The Lord says, you shall teach them, that is, they'll teach them the words or scripture, you shall teach them diligently to your children. 
and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. And in this one verse, the Lord points out four practical ways to seize every opportunity to teach your kids. In verse 7, he says you should talk with your kids when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So let's take a little bit of closer look and dig into those practical ways to implement these four times to talk with our children. First of all, when you sit in your house. Or another way to think about it is during meals. Like, that's when we typically all sit down together, at least we try to, and you got to eat, so be intentional with dinner. Seize this opportunity to teach your kids. Meals, they provide a very natural opportunity for parents to assume the role of teacher and to target a specific truth in a relational context. It's a time when everyone can just be together and you can discuss various biblical principles, scripture, family values, and you do that together. The key word here being discuss. Keep it natural, but be intentional during meals. Think of a topic before you sit down and teach your kids how to pray during this time. I mean, not just the dinner time prayer, like uh, thank you for this food and bless it to my body. I mean, what really does that mean anyway? I don't think this McDonald's burger is going to bless my body. I mean, maybe if it was Chick-fil-A, it would. After all, it's Christian chicken, right? But the point is, be intentional during your mealtime. Teach your kids when you sit in your house. And secondly, when you walk by the way. Or another way to think about that is when you travel. Like traveling to school, home from school, to extracurriculars, back from extracurriculars, to the grocery store. Oh wait, that's my private time. I'm gonna go shopping by myself, right? No, but whenever you're traveling, seize this opportunity to teach your kids. Let your drive time together let it consist of informal dialogue where you truly show that your, your child and you, your friend and help them interpret life. Here's what I mean by that. For example, talk with them about their agenda for the day or, or, or their priorities. I, I mean, it comes up in our conversation sometimes when we're driving somewhere that we really don't want to go. Like, why is this a priority? Why do I have to stay committed to this? And those are really natural conversations to instill biblical principles and family values into your life in a very real and natural way. And make sure your child puts down their screen and help them engage in conversation. Except when traveling on really long distances, like uh, screens, long distance, vitally important, game changer. But this is also a great opportunity while you're in the car together to use the music that you're playing in the background as conversation starters. Like, like whether it's Christian music or secular music, whatever it is, ask questions like, what do you think this means? Should we agree with this? 
it also provides a little bit of accountability for yourself. Like, should I really be listening to this? Teach your kids when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and third, when you lie down. Or another way to think about this is at bedtime, at bedtime. I mean, this can be such a meaningful time for families together. Seize this opportunity to teach your kids. Bedtime, it's a natural time for the parent to become a counselor who listens to the heart of their child. It's a time when you can build intimacy and and have meaningful conversations together. You can ask questions like, what was on your mind today? Did you hear anything today that made you stop and and think, "Mm, I don't know if that was quite right. Did you witness any heated arguments or, or, or fights? How did you handle that? How'd that make you feel? How are things with your friends right now? What are you learning right now as you read scripture? I mean, these questions can develop into great conversations. And these conversations, they don't have to take place just as you're tucking in your child or, or, or as you're saying your final goodnight to them. No, create a rhythm that works for your family. Uh, about four to five years ago, I uh, made the decision to purchase a hot tub for our family. Not gonna lie, it was kind of a selfish decision at first. And it is a bit of a luxury, but man, what an amazing investment it has been. In fact, Griffin, 14-year-old son, he just confirmed this a, a couple of weeks ago when he said, Dad, I think this is the best purchase you've ever made. I agree with him. We probably agree for a couple of different reasons, for sure, I mean, but because our hot tub has become a place of great family connection and conversation. Almost every night, we have an uninterrupted 15 to 30 minutes of family time together. And the beauty of it is I don't have to go ask my kids, hey, can can we all come and sit down together and talk? No, my kids come to me and like, hey, dad, is it hot tub time? You bet it's hot tub time. Let's get out there. And, And it's a time when they don't bring their phones because hot tubs, water, and phones typically don't mix too well. It's just an amazing time that we can have a moment together to connect with conversation just before bedtime. Teach your kids when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and fourth, when you rise. Or another way to think about this is in the morning. In the morning, as each morning begins, you're giving a new opportunity for a fresh start. Every morning, a fresh start. Seize this opportunity to teach your kids. Think of yourself as a coach in the morning. You know, uh, prior to the game, a coach offers encouraging words. They pump up and they fuel their, their players. They instill purpose. Shouldn't we seize this opportunity with our own kids and do this with our children? I mean, every morning, plant important emotional seeds into the heart of your child. 
Encourage them as they go out and face the world. Be cognizant of the challenges that they're going to encounter. Shower them with scriptures that are full of purpose. Scripture like Galatians 6, 9 that says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Son, daughter, don't give up today. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Son, daughter, the Lord is with you today. Be strong. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Son, daughter, work today your best for the Lord. And offer up a quick prayer for your child out loud so they can hear. And it doesn't have to be like this big, crazy, in-depth thing. Just a simple little prayer like, Lord, give my child strength today. Lord, help them shine for you today. Teach your kids the importance of doing this and emulate it for them. Teach your kids when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And for all you visual learners, there's a little chart up here on the screens that will help, help kind of just put all that together. The time, the communication that you would talk about, the role that you play as a parent during those times, and maybe a goal for each of those times. If families seized these opportunities to teach their kids, can you imagine the impact? All you have to do is, is seize those opportunities that are already built into your day. And by doing this, your interactions with your children become natural and normal. And spiritual conversations become a part of your normal routine. You add scripture and prayer and conversation into your everyday lifestyle. And you play a crucial role in training the next generation to become leaders for Christ. All of this can happen if you seize every opportunity to teach your kids. And if you're sitting there wondering, well, how do I start this? We have resources for you. We, we actually have uh, resources right out there. There's a wall of resources before you enter the children's wing in the main lobby. I would recommend that you go check it out. Aaron, Eric, Robbie, they all update it uh, very frequently with new articles, uh, with new, just all kinds of things that, that will help you in your parenting from every stage, like from birth to graduating high school. There's articles, there's QR codes that you can scan and receive things directly on your phone. There's examples of parenting books, timelines to help you understand the different stages of a kid's life. You name it, it's there. Go check it out. Like take your kids to the play structure and then sneak away and go check out the parenting resources. Yep, we were that intentional. A second resource you have are simply the emails that you receive every week if you're in family ministries. Children, Cormdeo kids, Cormdeo students, 
They send out emails every week. Check it out. Erin, uh, Erin Jewell, our children's director, she sends out every week a recap of the lesson that was, was going on. And it consists of a memory verse that you guys can work on together as a family. And in it, it, it also has the Bible lesson, the Bible verse, the Bible truth, and a family action, like something you can do with your kids this week to reinforce what they just learned over the weekend. It's amazing. All that at our fingertips just from an email. Students, they send out weekly email that informs you of the message topic and the text that, that your students or your kids are, are going through on Wednesdays. Like read that, check it out, and, and then help con- incorporate those conversations from Wednesday to the next Wednesday in your own home. And a third resource I have in my hands right here, the Bible. You don't have to have some big fancy thing or a big flashy uh, what resource or whatever. Just simply open up the Bible. Pick a chapter and take a little section of that chapter. Read it together, a few verses, and ask, what stands out to you? What words didn't you understand? What do you think this means? And you talk about it. And then you pray together. Just open God's word and spend time with your kids. Use these resources and seize every opportunity to teach your kids. If you desire to raise godly kids in an ungodly world, love the Lord with complete devotion. Seize every opportunity to teach your kids. And thirdly, keep the word in front of you to guide your way. Keep the word in front of you to guide your way. Take a look with me back at verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9, they read, You shall bind them, that is, bind the words or scripture. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, what in the world is this talking about? Frontlets and doorposts and putting things on your hand and and all of that. Well, this was a command back then uh, that people took literally by attaching little boxes called phylacteries around their wrist and head. I love that word, phylacteries. And other boxes called mezuzah to the doorposts of their house and their intragates. Here's here's a a picture. You can see that. The the picture on the left, the guy, you can see it looks like he has on a headlamp. It's actually a little box that has scripture in inside of it. Same with his arm. You can see about his bicep area, the same box with scripture. Those are the phylacteries. And then the picture on the right is mezuzah. That's on the doorpost of a house where they incorporate the name of the Lord on their house and scripture. But obviously, I'm not saying you should literally wear those things around and literally put those on your house because a literal application was not the intent here. Rather, it's a way to illustrate God's desire and our need to keep the word in front of you to guide your way. 
Keep the word the the center of your heart. Keep the word the center of your soul. Keep the word the center of your might. And you do that when you love the Lord with complete devotion. And you do that when you seize every opportunity to teach your kids. It's circulatory. It comes back. When you do one, it leads into the other. And then when you do the other, it helps you keep the word in front of you to guide your way. It becomes a routine. It becomes a part of everyday life. And God provides us with this plan. He provides us with the plan to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. So parents, all you need to do is embrace your role and follow his instruction. And you might be sitting here this morning feeling a little convicted because you've never done this. That's okay. Embrace the conviction and start now. Maybe you should actually be honest with your kids, especially if they're sitting here with you today, and ask them, ask them for forgiveness and commit to establishing these routines in your life. I guarantee you they'll forgive you and they'll respect you. Listen, they want to do this with you because they want to spend time with you. And they want to become your priority. Or you might be sitting here feeling a little convicted because your kids are already out of the house. That's okay too. Don't beat yourself up over this. But seize every opportunity you have right now. Let your kids and your, your grandkids know what the Lord has done in your life by telling them how the Lord is, is at work. Pass on your spiritual legacy by by sharing these things. But listen up, grandparents. Don't try to do everything for your grandkids and in doing so usurp the responsibility that their parents have. Definitely, definitely encourage them to embrace their own responsibility. But let them lead the way in that. Grandparents, Man, seize every opportunity you have right now for sure to have quality time with your grandkids and to talk about the things of the Lord whenever you can. Let them know of your love for the Lord. Or you might be sitting here and you don't have kids. That's okay too. You're not off the hook here. Get involved and lead the next generation for Christ. Serve in ministry. Jump in. They are the future, and you can play a significant role in their lives. Love the Lord with complete devotion. Seize every opportunity to teach your kids. Keep the word in front of you to guide your way. That's how to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you for giving us the privilege to train up and teach the next generation. Impress on us our need for you and to love you in a way that expresses our complete devotion to you. Give us the discipline to seize every opportunity to to teach our kids and when we're tired and when we'd rather do something else, whenever. 
Give us the discipline, Lord. And help us to keep your word in front of us to guide our way. Forgive us when we fail in that. We need your grace every day and we thank you for that. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.